Welcome back to the Money Pig Podcast brought to you by Goodwin Investment Advisory, where our mission is to lead people to financial peace, independence, and generosity. I'm your host, Reed Trigo. And today on the show, we're joined once again by GIA founder, Tim Goodwin, for a discussion about investing basics. Yeah. How, how to buy stocks. So here's what's interesting. 19, almost 20 years you've yeah. been in business, right? yeah. Goodwin Investment Advisory. We've accomplished a lot, right? <laughs> it's been amazing. It's and been a team gonna, effort. Yeah. We're going to go back to the very start. We're going to talk about- To the OG. Hey, you know what the deal is? Let me tell you what the deal is. <laughs> tell me what the deal is. You and I talk about, I'm going to tell you the deal. <laughs> you and I, this is frequently asked. Like we ask sometimes a client, do you know the difference between a stock and mutual fund or whatever right. that is? Yeah. And they're like, no. But it's one of those things that people feel like everybody else understands. Right. And so they should too. And they're afraid to ask. Yeah. I mean, they're not in the business. I get that. Right. right. We're dealing with it all the time. They're dealing mm-hmm. with something else. So, but That's right. a lot of people have 401k and there should be mutual funds in there. So it's probably good to get a, a good understanding. That's so exactly may, right. maybe this episode will help. I don't know. Maybe it'll hurt. We'll see after we're done. <laughs> yeah. We we're hope gonna, it's helpful. We don't know no if we'll understand this any better or not, but we're going to try. <laughs> okay. So nice to see you, Tim. Hey, it's good to see you too. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good. All right. So let's just start with the start. I mean, um, the stock market, right? Yes. Like what's a stock? How do you buy one? Why would you buy one? Oh my gosh. So many questions. So many questions. Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> Well, I might, I might even take it back a little further. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll see how many listeners drop off at this one. So I guess you kind of have to think about why it exists. Like why does a, um, a stock exist that you can buy? Right. And so, um, like you talked about, this company is about 20 years old. Um, it's an entity, it's an LLC, but it's private stock, right? I own it. My wife owns it. A lot of team members own part of the company. It's not traded on a public exchange. Nobody can just go buy shares of Goodwin Investment Advisory. We're not publicly traded. So why does a private company decide to go public? And there are a lot of large companies that are still private. Um, Here in the South, uh, everybody loves Chick-fil-A. Right. Okay. Chick-fil-A, you can't go buy shares of Chick-fil-A. You know, when I talk to my girls about stocks and we're we're buying stocks and that kind of thing for them as a way of, of helping them learn about it. Uh, they've often brought up, I want to buy shares of Chick-fil-A. Can't do that. It's privately owned. You know, so it's got to be a publicly traded stock. And usually either a stock goes public because you've got um, maybe uh, founders that want a liquidity event, you know, or maybe they're retiring and they kind of want to turn it over to a board that's got a lot of incentives. Um, sometimes a company wants to go public to raise a lot of money to expand as well. So maybe they're going to go into another country or they're going to have more locations or they're going to open up more product lines that kind of thing, because that brings in new capital. Mm-hmm. Now, that's called an IPO. You've probably heard of that, initial public offering. Yep. So the first time that stock goes from being private to public, or even a public stock that's already been traded, can issue new shares to raise more money. But outside of that, when you, like today, if you went and bought shares of Home Depot, Home Depot's not getting that money, mm. okay? You're buying right. it. You're buying it from somebody else that has a Home Depot. So the person that's selling it to you is getting the money. That's why they're called stock exchanges because you're exchanging it between the seller and the buyer. We're doing great. <laughs> okay, you've got, I still Keep got you coming. with me. <laughs> so it's like the, the NYSE Wait, is- the, hold on, let me check. Crickets? <laughs> is, that what, is that what's going on up <laughs> yeah, inside of you? Yeah, yeah, no, we're doing head. great. We're okay, doing good, good, good. Um, lights should hopefully still be on. So yeah, so the exchange, that's why they call them an exchange because you're it's it's creating a marketplace where buyers and sellers come together and exchange the the stocks, the securities. Love so it, that's it. why it exists and that's how it exists. Sometimes like when the market will tank, 
like it did in 2008, for example, sometimes in big groups of investors will go buy all of this public shares and actually turn a public company and bring it back to private. It's kind of interesting. So we can go back and forth. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, good. (laughs) That narrows it down. Okay. (laughs) So stocks are just just ownership in a company, right? How many different stocks are there? Yeah. So that's, um, I, I mean, always I, love to me, look this number up. Let me just count them. I know. I think I can count. <laughs> you can, you want Apple, to count. Microsoft, Google, Tesla, Facebook, yeah. Netflix. Amazon. That's kind of all of them. That's it. Yeah. Well, those, uh, about those, the seven of some of the biggest <laughs> ones have, have done lots of the growth so far this year. But anyway, um, what's interesting is, so if you think about uh, stocks in the U.S., on U.S. exchanges, because there's, there's international stocks. Mm-hmm. So I just looked this up. So um, according to Statista.com, uh, the New York Stock Exchange at the end of March of 2023 had 2,385 listed securities. So <clears throat> a little bit more than what you counted. Oh. But what, what we're going to lead this conversation into is <clears throat> there's other ways to buy stocks rather than just buying the individual like Home Depot, Coca-Cola, Amazon. Mm-hmm. You can buy a mutual fund. Okay, and we'll talk about mutual funds in a minute. But what's interesting is that, and another quote from Statista, uh, is at the end of last year, there were 7,373 mutual funds. So they're <laughs> substantially, again, I said there were two, what did I say yeah, there was? 2,385 individual yeah. securities, but there's 7,398. So there's more mutual funds than there are individual securities. There's more way to group those securities in a different way or a different weighting, and we'll go into that in a second, and there are actually individual securities. I'm going back to 11th grade math. Yeah. Permutations and combinations, a little exclamation point. Do I don't know. That? You can hit the crickets for me. So I don't know. Permutations. <laughs> I, had a great, I don't know. That's not mine. Yeah. I had a great math teacher. Um, I do remember that. That's, yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with this, but there you go. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know. You're on your own, buddy. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Here we go. All right. So um, should we walk into a mutual fund? Yeah. Yeah. How's it work? Okay. So the reason mutual funds exist is because in selecting individual securities can be challenging. You know, we just mentioned there's over 2,000 of them just in the U.S. So it's like, well, how do I know which ones to pick? Do I just pick the ones that I've heard about, like the ones that you've mentioned? Sure. You know, um, so it's hard to, to pick those. And if you just have an individual stock, there's a lot of risk. And so we talk a lot about risk as financial advisors. So we'll meet folks that are considering higher us, and they might have just a handful of of individual stocks of companies. Maybe they got 10, maybe they have 20. But even if you have 20 securities, uh, if they're equally weighted, that means there's 5% of the portfolio. Maybe it has more percent of your portfolio. And so if that stock tanks or it's the next Enron or whatever, like it can greatly uh, hurt the value of your portfolio. And sometimes I think about the risks in, um, in just individual companies. You think like a huge company like Disney. Right. <clears throat> but then they have a CEO turnover. Yep. And then the new guy doesn't work out. Right. And the old one comes <clears throat> back and their stock is super volatile. Yes. And you have a whole thing going on. You really, you really do. So the- Stuff you can't control is, at all as just a owner of a few hundred shares or whatever. And even, even if you were constantly looking up all the information, right, you're not going to be able to predict some of these things that, right. that will be said or decisions that will be made. Yeah, so there's a lot of inherent risk just in any individual security. The other risks on the other side that you're like, well, I've just, you know, I love Tesla, so I'm just going to hang on to it forever. Um, <clears throat> and Tesla may be a bad example because it's been a decent performer here recently, but let's say you were just grabbing onto like Coke or something like that. 
and you're just like, this is a great company. Everybody's trying, I'm literally drinking Coke right now. Um, you know, and, but there have been long periods of time where Coke has underperformed the rest of the market as an average. So sometimes there's the risk of it losing value because the company does something that was, you know, not expected, or it's just not performing as well. So you're not getting that good of a performance. So anyway, those are some of the reasons why, you know, individual stocks can be fun. I think they're a good way to learn. But as far as like building what your future retirement is going to be depending on for performance, if you're trying to meet certain financial goals, you're trying to gain financial independence, if you want to be super generous with your money in the future, that's risky and could be underperforming to do it all in individual securities. So as as advisors, we really recommend that folks invest in mutual funds. And so a mutual fund is that it's mutual. So there's two or more parties. Usually there's hundreds, if not thousands of people invested in a fund. So it'd be, be an example like you and me, Reed. So you you put $10,000 on the table. I put $10,000 on the table. And we're both like, yeah, we want to invest in the stocks. And we're like, yeah, me too. So here's $20,000 on the mm-hmm. table. And then we're like, what do we, what do, we do with it? <laughs> we're we're going to buy stocks. Well, who's going to make that decision? Well, like, what if we don't know? We don't know. We're so gonna, we want to let's, well, let's hire, hire a manager. Let's hire somebody to do it, right? And so that's what an active mutual fund will do. All these folks put money into it, and then they hire an individual manager. Usually, it's a team nowadays that's getting a small percentage, which is called an expense ratio, maybe somewhere around one percent. Rates have gone down over the years, and they're paid to make decisions on how to invest that money. And then they often have this starts to get a little boring, but they'll they'll have like investment objectives and and documents and prospectuses and all these things that will explain what their strategy is and what they're trying to do. Are they just focused on the U.S. and really big companies? Maybe small companies. Maybe they're just focused on energy. Maybe they're focused on green energy. Right. Mm-hmm. So usually a mutual fund will have. Um, a little more narrow scope or moat that they're going after. And so there's two big types of mutual funds out there. Do you know what the two big types are? Reed? Yeah, well, you Come mentioned on. one. Yeah, active. active mutual funds. So yeah, mm, what's the other one? actively managed. And I think in this other one is like that index fund. Yes. It's more of a passive. Exactly, exactly. Management. Right, right, yeah. So the big categories are like active versus passive, yep. active mutual fund versus passive index funds. Instead of, we put this money back together on the table, like I said, we just put $10,000, we got $20,000. Instead of paying an individual, what we do is we just want that $20,000 to track an index, okay? So one of the most common indexes in the world is the Dow Jones, industrial average. It. It's only 30 companies, so it's not always everybody's favorite one to follow. A lot of folks like to follow the S&P 500 because that's broader, it's 500 companies. But there are actually tens of thousands of indexes out there that measure every industry, sector, country, market cap. And so, and they have all kinds of strategies now too. And so usually an index fund is is considerably less expensive on the expense ratio because mm-hmm. you're not paying an individual or a team. You're really just paying software or company to kind of match the index. Do you think that's like happening every quarter or whatever, whenever the S&P 500 is reset and they just bloop, bloop, bloop? Yeah, so that's a great question. So it depends on like the issuer of the index. So Standard & Poor's is a very, very famous one. And so um, Russell is another one. So they all have their own cadence on how often these kind of committees will meet and decide, do we drop a stock from the S&P 500? Do we add one? They call it reconstituting or rebalancing. And so there are different frequencies based on the issue of the index. But when, yeah, whenever they make that change, then any of these index funds uh, that follow them, they have to make the trade, the change, like instantly. Pretty do you have quick. a button for that? Like a instant button? Oh, yes. hit, hit a color and I see do. what... Just magically, that was perfect. Magically, <laughs> magically, this is exactly your fund just makes the change like the index makes the change. And so, bravo, Reed, bravo. Yeah, round of applause for you, sir. Yeah. Um, so the we're trying to make uh, indexing and investing fun around here. Yeah, well. 
need all the help we we need all the help we can get. He's he's now almost hit every button yeah, on this soundboard, ladies and gentlemen. We're testing so, them all out. Oh my goodness! All right. So the um, the index funds have also become really popular, um, especially in the past couple of decades. They invented kind of a different version of index funds called exchange traded funds. Mm. Um, there's a bit of a tax advantage there too, but it's it's really kind of a subset of index funds where it's also tracking an index. So. With Goodwin Investment Advisor, we feel like all those big types of funds, active, index, ETFs, all can have a place in a portfolio. But again, generally, we're going to recommend that folks have a diversified portfolio of broad-based funds that have a long track record and are generally, we we prefer the ones that are lower in cost as well. Let's kind of take this. Let's say I'm brand new. Okay. And I want, I think, oh, I'm going to buy a mutual fund and I like technology and I like energy and I like healthcare, say. And so I go and buy these actively managed mutual funds. One's healthcare, one's technology, and one is energy. Like I'm diversified, right? Haven't I just taken care of that? Why? So yeah, like you're way more diversified than if you just bought three individual companies, one in each of those sectors, technically, right? So buying like a sector fund is, you know, they probably have 50, 100 or more securities in the technology or healthcare or whatever. So um, so you can do that and you can, you can use um, like screeners, mutual fund screeners online, and you can kind of say, Hey, I want a fund that's just, you know, technology. And you can start kind of filtering and rating whether it's performance or risk or fees to try to figure out which one you want. I will say for us, like we're offering model portfolios, right? That we, we custom model that we design with our investment committee and our institutional partners at Fidelity. So we have proprietary models. And we wouldn't just invest our clients in only one or two or three sectors. So we would want to be a little more broad-based. Sometimes we do have um, some extra sector exposure in the model just based on, you know, our own research and, mm-hmm. and what's happened and what we think might might be happening in the future plays a role in that as well. Um, so I, I think they can have a role in a well-diversified portfolio if you really have a good feeling about a sector or you want to kind of double down on that. But I wouldn't just be investing in sectors. You want to do more broad-based. So like the S&P 500 is considered a broad-based index. So if you're doing an index fund or a mutual fund that's benchmarking itself against it, you're, you should be getting exposure to all the sectors. Um, but you can also just go, hey, I really feel like you know energy is a good time. And so maybe you add a little bit more. But kind of like only buying one individual stock or a few individual stocks, I kind of feel like sometimes one sector can outperform, sometimes it can underperform. So to make sure you still have good exposure that's pretty well diversified across at least multiple sectors is generally a better long-term strategy. So I do, however, want to kind of <laughs> confess my sin. Oh, oh, here it is. Here it I is. Mean, but, How long has it been since yeah. you've been to confession? <laughs> <laughs> Mutual funds and index index funds, these are proven long-term. This is how millionaires are made wealth building tools, right? Right. But they're kind of boring. So yeah. we have to acknowledge. Hey, slow and steady wins the race. It you does. Know, you heard of that turtle? It does, but eat, it's also boring. Eat the hairs. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it is more fun to kind of, Think about, I'm going to buy a Nike or a stock or something that I use or I like. And people, this is a good way to get young people interested in how this works, right? So do we kind of stick with this idea that, okay, yes, you can play with some individual, the wise way to do this is the slow and steady way, but maybe the, you can play around if you want, know you're gambling, but you can play around with 
what percent of your investable portfolio? Gosh, that, that's a great question. And I will, to- I totally agree with you. So with, with my girls, they have brokerage accounts and they're saving. And then I help them buy an individual stock because it's way more fun. I don't have them pull up a mutual fund screener and like, you know, let's pick a sector or a broad <laughs> no. based fund. Like it'd be so boring for them, Boring, you know, mm-hmm. but Buy like, Monopoly, no, wait, well, not you, Monopoly, but Mattel or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you mentioned, um, Disney and my youngest daughter, um, Eden, um, is 10 and, and she it's the happiest place on earth, right? Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but my other daughters, um, they bought uh, target and, Starbucks and, uh, you know, some other securities that over that time had really appreciated. And I went around the table like a couple months ago and was telling them how their securities had performed. And when Eden found out that Disney was down, like she shed like a little tear, no. like she was so oh, sad no. that the happiest you, place on earth did not give her the return. You let her invest in Disney. Uh, well, this was, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was just trying this to get them why. to buy something that was fun that they like yep. to use, you know what totally. I mean? So I agree that, I agree that it can be uh, volatile. It can be fun. It can be a good, good way to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, yeah. I, so, so you said what percent of the yeah. portfolio can be individual securities? I think it depends on the reason for the money. It all com- it all starts with why, right? So like, if this is what you're putting in your 401k and it's rolled over to an IRA rollover, now you're in a brokerage account and you could buy individual securities. I'd be like, zero percent. You can put zero percent of that money, if the why of that money is so that you can retire one day and not have to work because you have to, but because you want to, and pursue more meaningful things in your life, that should probably stick with funds. You know, that yeah. again, that's, uh, you know, in Tim's opinion, ITO there. Um, <laughs> but uh, as far as like, well, this is some excess savings, you know what I mean? Um, this is something, this is just kind of play money. Sure. You can do some individual stocks there. It's, it's really depends on the why. Like if it's like, well, this is what I'm saving to pay for taxes later, or this is to pay for my, you know, save up for my vacation at the end of the year or next mm-hmm. year. Like I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be doing individual stocks. And mm-hmm. so as part of your overall portfolio, you know, maybe 20% or less should be in individual Ooh, securities. You're yeah. even more aggressive I know. than I would be. I, I would know. Have said 10 max, maybe five. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. If it's your retirement portfolio, I, I just wouldn't recommend a whole lot of individual securities. You either have the risk that you can lose that value or you have the risk that it's not keeping up with the market, not compounding your money quick enough to get you to help you reach your goals quicker. Well, you saw this stuff with Robin. Wait. What am I thinking about? Robinhood, the Robinhood app. Oh yeah, and like GameStop and BlackBerry and all these. It's companies. wild what it's done. It really Super is. Super wild. Yeah, and I mean, who wouldn't have wanted to throw a little bit of money in Absolutely. there to play around? Absolutely, so fun. This is this is not to pay your bills or yeah. to pay for your vacation or your taxes or your retirement. This is some excess savings you have and you want to give it a shot. So I mean, it's like going to Vegas. You go to Vegas with a budget, that's you know. That's so, right. Yeah, you if plan. you return with any part of that budget, you're up. That's it. You know, you plan for your entertainment. But, yeah, yeah. And my my <laughs> accusation earlier about Disney and letting your daughter invest in. That's why we don't do that, right? Yeah. That's why we do it for instructional purposes, not for long-term right. investment, yeah. return and retirement and stuff like that. Tim, this has been great. I want people to know, like if they're listening to go, okay, I I can ask all the questions. Yeah. Because this is one that people are afraid to ask because they don't understand how this all works. You can ask it. No judgment zone here. We're, we're not going to judge. We yeah. And I know clients are like, well, you know, we trust you and that's what we want you to do, but we certainly want them to understand what they're mm-hmm. invested in to whatever level of understanding, you know, they really want to have, yep. but you never really want to invest in anything or let anybody else invest in it for you unless you've got 
a decent grasp for of many, what's going many, on. Yeah, many years I was a client here and I was like, I don't care. I just trust you. <laughs> we appreciate your trust, <laughs> but it is good to have, have some kind of a good grasp of it. So I think right. you're doing all right now. Doing okay. Like you're like a licensed financial advisor. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. So. I came around, came around. I got interested <laughs> or something. Right. Hey, as financial advisors, we manage and rebalance portfolios. But the unique value is that we work to understand our clients' individual goals so we can help them understand these things and have these types of planning conversations that are so personal and unique to each individual. Thanks again for being here, Tim, on your podcast. And remember, <laughs> if you're enjoying the show, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question you want us to answer on the show, email it to us at moneypig at goodwininvestment.com. We will see you next time. The Money Pig Podcast is hosted by Reed Trigo, a financial advisor at Goodwin Investment Advisory. This podcast is intended to share information and perspectives, but should not be interpreted as legal, financial, or tax advice. The opinions shared by participants are not necessarily endorsed by the company. Goodwin Investment Advisory is regulated by the SEC, and the company operates in compliance with applicable securities, laws, and regulations.